You may have seen advertisements on television for medications that treat AFib, or maybe you know someone who has it. In this edition of Health Styles, Dr. Lakshmi, cardiologist from the Heart Center at Sarah Bush Lincoln, returns to give us a quick overview of AFib from symptoms to treatment options. Friends and neighbors, our hearts beat to heal yours. The Sarah Bush Lincoln cardiovascular team stands ready to save your life. Sarah Bush has this classic small town, friendly atmosphere with a high-tech hospital. And I have the background of clinical medicine and common sense. When you combine them, you become an ideal doctor. The Heart Center at Sarah Bush Lincoln. Trusted, compassionate care. Right here, close to home. Welcome back to Health Styles, the podcast presented by Sarah Bush Lincoln. And today I'm back with Dr. Lakshmi, cardiologist with the Heart Center here at Sarah Bush Lincoln. And we're talking about AFib or atrial fibrillation. Okay, I didn't quite get that right. So what is, I, we'll just use AFib for short because that's what most people know, know it as. So what is AFib? So atrial fibrillation is the commonest arrhythmia most of the physicians will see in their office. After the age of 75, one in 10 people will get it. That means some of your relatives or your friends probably have atrial fibrillation. Essentially, atrial fibrillation means the top chamber, which is called atrium, is beating irregularly. Normally, the top chamber and bottom chamber, which is called ventricle, they're coordinated. The movement is coordinated. The top chamber will contract, followed by the contraction of the bottom chamber. When the top chamber is irregular, then there are two problems can arise in those patients. Number one, they feel lousy because it's not a very coordinated effort. This is like Congress of our country where people are constantly arguing with everybody. So when you have this irregular beating, they feel tired. They have no energy. The second problem is they are increased risk of stroke. And when they do get stroke, they get terrible strokes. And I tell people I hate strokes because people cannot talk. They cannot walk. The quality of life is terribly affected in those patients. So they feel lousy and they are increased risk of stroke. So it's a huge problem. Imagine, particularly as the population is aging, many of the countries our people are working until the age of 80 because we don't have youngsters to do the work. And we want to protect these people. So when they get atrial fibrillation, their risk of stroke is very high, particularly in elderly population. There are various risk factors which will increase the chance of stroke in those patients. The most important risk is age. Mm -hmm. People after the age of 75, people who are diabetics, people who have congestive heart failure, people who have previous history of stroke or mini strokes. So when when your doctor makes a um, diagnosis of atrial fibrillation, he wants to know how good is your heart. He will do an echocardiogram to look at is the heart muscle squeezing good? What's your heart rate? What are your risk factors? And we would try to put them back in regular rhythm if it's possible by either doing an electric shock or medications which will put them in regular rhythm. And we put them on something called anticoagulants, which are blood thinners. They're not aspirin-like. Aspirin is more of a platelet. These are the stronger blood thinners. For a long time, we had only one drug, which was Coumadin, otherwise called rat poison, 
a warfarin. A lot of older people, they don't want to take it because they call it as a rat poison. It's poison for rats, not for human beings. Okay. It increases the bleeding. So when you take these medications, you should talk to the doctor, should I take aspirin along with it or not? Because aspirin can increase the bleeding. They should not be taking Advil. They should not be taking Aleve or other blood thinners because the risk of bleeding is high. The risk of bleeding goes up as you're getting older, as you have problems with liver or kidneys, people who are drinking a lot of alcohol, they have more chances of bleeding. So recently about four drugs have come which substitute for warfarin. Mm -hmm. These are the drugs you might have seen advertisements like Eliquis, Zeralto, Pradaxa, Cerveza. These are the newer blood thinners which seems to have less chance of bleeding, more effective, and more importantly, you don't need to do a blood test. If you take Coumadin, you should check every four weeks to make sure that what we call pro-time is correct. You don't want to be too thick, then you will get strokes. The blood, if it's too thin, you will get bleeding. But the newer drugs are effective and you don't need to do a blood test. What's the catch? The <laughs> catch is the cost. <laughs> it's the cost. They're expensive. Some insurance may approve, some may not approve. So these drugs are effective. They prevent strokes about 80 to 90% of the time when you take them. But there is an increased risk of bleeding even among the newer drugs. But if you have atrial fibrillation, your doctor probably will prescribe a blood thinner and put you on drugs to make sure you're on regular rhythm. But as I say, stroke prevention is the most important part because they are horrible when you see a big stroke. So you had said people who may have AFib, they, they feel terrible. Are there any other signs? So not be? everybody will feel the symptoms. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's asymptomatic. So you'll be sleeping and you may have AFib in the nighttime. And you wake up, you may not have any symptom, and your first symptom is a stroke. So there are a lot of newer gadgets have come, such as iPhone uh, and uh, some of the watches you're wearing. They monitor your heart rate. The iPhone in particular, people are excited about it. Should we monitor everybody? Then the problem is you're going to monitor tens and thousands of people who are healthy. And they're going to freak out because... The watch or the iPhone may pick up some irregular beat and the patient think it's atrial fibrillation and they're going to freak out. So I think I would talk to the doctor regarding it. Symptoms will only come when the heart rate is faster. If you're getting in the night time, if you're just getting for a very short time, you may not have any symptoms. If you are in a higher risk such as older population, high blood pressure, diabetes, coronary disease, vascular disease, I would talk to the doctor and say, do I have atrial fibrillation, doctor? And sometimes we check for it by doing a monitoring of the heart for a day, two days, or a month. We also put something called a loop recorder, which is a very, very, very small battery you put inside the chest. We can monitor the heart for mm -hmm. years. And if you do develop atrial fibrillation, we can treat them. So is most AFib treated with medication? Correct. Most of the atrial fibrillation, we treat the medications. And regarding the anticoagulation of blood thinners, depending upon your risk factors. The older you get, the multiple risks you have, risk of stroke goes up. But medications can treat most of them. So if someone ha thinks they might have AFib, how, what, was, what would be your uh, advice to them? I would uh, talk to the primary care physician or the cardiologist, and they may do some special screening if you think they have atrial fibrillation. There are also procedures called ablation if you have atrial fibrillation. If the medications fail, we will refer them to the, the electrophysiologists, which are the electricity people. They can put some special catheters and do some laser treatments, and then you can cure them of it.
to a large extent. Thanks again, Dr. Lakshmi, for shedding some light on AFib. Remember, the information presented today and in all of our podcasts is not a substitute for medical care. If you have questions or concerns, make sure you talk to your healthcare provider. Now, we would love to connect with you on social media. Just search for us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn by searching Sarah Bush Lincoln. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you know when we add new shows. You can listen to us on your favorite podcast platform under Sarah Bush Lincoln or on our website at sarahbush.org slash podcasts. We'll continue our conversation with Dr. Lakshmi next week. In this interview, he'll explain congestive heart failure. Did you know that there are actually two kinds? We'll learn how it happens and the differences between the two. If you want to know more about cardiology care at Sarah Bush Lincoln, go to sarahbush.org slash the heart center. This is Lori Banks for Health Styles. Thanks for listening.